0: Hey, make sure you order your coaching you videos 15 videos 10 nba coaches best content we've ever had go to 2018.coachingu.tv 249 dollars for 15 videos order today hey let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners dr dish Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dishes also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in of the basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at Dr. Dish B-Ball. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry and it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure when it, the folks from Innerzone came to me at coaching you and said we can even help your team i was all ears and what we did is we took a quick assessment 2 to 4 minutes each person and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team You owe it to yourself to find out what InnerZone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of InnerZone with your team, whether you are a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to com slash InnerZone. That's inner Z-O-N-E. Hey, welcome to another edition of Coaching You Live. Our podcast today is with Coach Roy Rana. Uh, Roy is the head coach of Ryerson University in Toronto. He is a longtime friend. He is in their men's uh, national interim coach now uh, qualifying them for the world game world championships next summer in China. And uh, he has led their under 18, under 19 men's national team uh, to championships. Um, You know, the under 19 team beat coach Calipari in Cairo, Egypt a couple of years ago. And he's just, and he's also won numerous uh, world championships in our Nike hoop summit every April in Portland. Uh, He coaches the world select team. And if you've ever seen his teams play on on TV in that game, uh, you see one of the best young coaches there is in basketball. Uh, He's someone I've gotten to know over the years through Coach Raffling. And let me tell you, this guy is a rising star. Uh, His team competed last year and lost in the finals of the Canadian University Championships. This man could coach any team anywhere including the NBA. He is a spectacular coach and a better human being. You're really going to enjoy after we talk to our partners, Roy Rana. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software. Fast fastDraw, FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastCout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of division one college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community for access to these plays and more information visit fastmodelsports.com or follow them on Twitter at fastmodel Hey welcome to another coaching you podcast with the coach Brendan Sir and I'm so excited today uh, to have an old friend as a guest Roy Rana who is the head coach of Ryerson University in Toronto my favorite city in the world and Roy is also a you know the head coach of the and a Canadian senior team right now, the national men's team, uh, Till Jay Triano is ready to take over next summer, but he's also been the head coach of their junior uh, national team for several years, uh, under 18, under 19. So welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you
1: very much. Excited to be on.
0: Well, you know, uh, we go back a long way and we have so many mutual friends, of which one of our great friends and mentors in basketball, George Raveling, uh, you know, I think introduced us way back when. But, you know, tell me, first of all, uh, how did your relationship with Coach Raveling start?
1: Wow. Well, um, you know what? Coach Rav has quietly been watching me work for, you know, almost 15 years now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had the. Uh, an incredible opportunity to start uh, giving to Nike and in, uh, in the grassroots basketball scene in, in a number of different ways. Starting with uh, you know an older event called the Nike Global Challenge that ran for many years. And yeah, I would uh, I'd coach the Canadian teams, and you know we'd be in in Portland or we'd be in Chicago or Washington, and we'd play in this kind of international competition that that Nike set up. And he got a chance to watch me work there, and then he got a chance to watch me work as I started my career as a national team coach at the cadet level, which was, uh, under 16, uh, at the time. And, and then we were in Hamburg and, uh, won a bronze medal at the world championship in Hamburg with the cadets. And on that team was Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, Nick Stauskas. Wow. And when Kevin Tiley. we were loaded, we, we had no idea what we had because, huh. we you know, they were really young kids and we had a great run there. And, you know, coach just as he is, he's always very supportive and, um, you know, we just started talking and we built a connection and that connection has become a, a really deep friendship and he's become a, one of the great mentors in my life. And, and now we get a chance to work, you in know, a, in a much more impactful way. Uh, you know, every April in the Hoop Summit where we bring together, you know, some of the best talent in the world to play the U.S. And that's only just strengthened our, our, our relationship and our friendship.
0: You know, I, I think uh, many of us in coaching... Uh, think we are mentors, or should be, but we're not. Uh, guys like yourself and myself value having mentors, and so I have, frankly, several. I need a lot of help, and so I have a, I have several mentors, and a lot of people I tell they're my mentor, and they don't even know it, uh, but that's how strong an influence they are on it. Well, tell me how Coach Rav has you know, influence you in so many ways, I know, on and off the court? You know, it's almost endless. Um, You know, I'll I'll share one with you, uh, just that, you know, I haven't
1: shared it with him, but I'll share it with you just recently. You know, uh, when I'm having a conversation with Coach Rav, you know, often there's a a very long pause in that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's almost almost uncomfortable, (laughs) Uh, you know, where, you know, you're speaking and then all of a sudden there's this, this, you know, this pause and, um, you know, I often thought about, you know, what, you know, why is there this awkward pause when we're having these conversations? And, you know, really what it's about is he's such a deep listener and, and, you know, he takes time to kind of process what you said so that you can be articulate and be thoughtful in his answer. And he's taught me a ton about being patient and how important it is to be a listener and being a listener intently. So something as small as that. And then something as large as, you know, just helping go guide me in my career and, and making me realize that, you know, chasing the next opportunity is not necessarily always the best path to take and to take value in what you do. And, and as long as you enjoy what you're doing and, and feel like you're making an impact and doing it for the right reasons and doing it the right way, that that's far more important than and many of the other things that come our way in, in a, you know, in, in coaching and, um, so he's he's just he's become a father figure to me, and yeah, you know, whether it's a personal issue, whether it's a basketball issue, um, you know, uh, and and probably more importantly, he really made me think and and grow as a leader, and and, and made me an avid reader, and all those things that do does for so many people.
0: You know, he, uh, you know, I tell him all the time. I said, uh, you know, Rev, you're in your eighties now. You're getting better. You're getting so much better. Can you imagine how good you would have been if you're coaching now? And I think that's what happens when you're a continuous learner. Uh, the, the improvement just keeps going, and and I love to read, you know, his blogs and his, you know, each week when I get him because it's one of the ways I learn and grow because he's always, as you said, providing opportunities to make me think about something. And I think that is one of the great gifts that he has. You know, he never stops learning and he never stops teaching and sharing. That's a great thing he does. He shares endlessly. And I'll share one more with you that was kind of
1: life-changing for me. You know, I started my career in education. Mm -hmm. And if you're a a teacher here in in Canada, uh, it's a pretty good profession. You know, the benefits are very good. You know, you have your summers off. You, you know, you have this this great pension. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really secure and safe and stable career to be in. And, you know, it has its own challenges, absolutely, but as a profession, it's a it's a great profession. And most of us in education, you know, look at our retirement date as a as a key milestone in in our career because we know that at some point in time, as an education, you'll be able to retire and continue on into whatever else you want to do. And, um, I left education to, you know, become a full-time coach, and uh, the one thing that Coach Rav has taught me is that there is no retirement. state You know, for me, I don't look at employment anymore as that. I just look at it as a challenge and work is something I love to do, and much like him, I, I never see myself stopping. Never. I see myself giving and growing uh, for as long as I'm alive.
0: You know, uh, one of the things you just... Stimu- as always, when we have our conversations, Roy, you stimulate my thinking, and one of the things that Rav told me... Um, Years ago, when I did a podcast, I asked him uh, a couple of questions uh, that I was, you know, I was fascinated by. And I asked him, what did he ever learn from Phil Knight? What's the most important thing, actually, that he learned from Phil Knight? I was just curious. And he looked at, he said, uh, he said, he's the best listener. He's the best listener I've ever come across. And, you know, you think about the CEO, a billionaire, owner of a business, and you never would associate, that quality yeah. of listening as his most, you know, his best quality. And I said, wow. And then I said, what's the biggest things that you learn from working at Nike? Cause this is a man I've known coach Rav since I was 14 years old. When I was a camper at five star, he was the first guest wow. lecturer we ever had. And wow. I was in awe of him when he taught rebounding at our camp, you know, we had five star basketball camp, which has t- turned into later on the best basketball camp in the world. And we had 48 campers our first year and UB Brown, my high school coach took us there, six kids from little Fairlawn high school in New Jersey. And we took her there and there's coach Rav and he's teaching rebounding. And probably half the kids were five, six and under, you know, but his dy- uh-huh. his dynamic teaching of the art of rebounding. And I think that's what he actually called it. The art of rebounding has stuck with me entire career and it was so incredible he taught us like he was getting fifty thousand dollars to teach you know it was that incredible that i said what a performer i said and knowing my friend howard garfinkel uh the owner he probably got rav a cheeseburger at the fireside afterwards not no money you know (laughs) but but that but he taught with that enthusiasm, which also t- was a great lesson of when you are going to teach or perform, do it like you are getting $50,000. Right. And I never forgot what he did. And it turned into a, you know, a, you know we're talking about a relationship 70 years later. And uh, what a blessing uh, for a guy like that to to be in your life. But I asked him, I said, Coach, what did you learn now as a, a coach? Now you went to Nike to work in business. What does the coach learn when he went to work for Nike? He said, we, our leaders have taught us there that when we finish doing something really good and we're all patting ourselves on the back that we just made a great new shoe, designed a beautiful uniform, the leader of that group, that team of, in that project, when they're all finished patting themselves on the back, his job is to then say to them what's next and you know what and it goes right into coaching you know no matter how good we feel after what's next and then the other one he taught me was which i just absolutely love and i think it's something that we all should have for life is that when they do something absolutely extraordinary and the air jordan comes out with michael comes out with the best new jordan brand shoe or uh, LeBron's new shoe becomes the number one selling shoe that Nike has. And all of a sudden, uh, he says, there's no finish line. We never stop. There's no finish line. And and that, that's a way to avoid complacency. And those two lessons have really shaped the way I do my business now. And, uh, and I can't thank him enough for sharing.
1: Yeah, we're both blessed to have him in our lives. There's no question about that.
0: Now, when you got your job back in two thousand nine with Ryerson, talk about mm-hmm. the challenge of taking over that program at that time.
1: Wow, you know, again, I had come out of a high school program that was, you know, the greatest program in, in the history of the country. I mean, you know, we had an incredible tradition. Um, we had won more than anybody had ever won, and you know, we were really rolling. Um, it was in many ways a higher profile job than the one I took at Ryerson. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I, when I got to Ryerson, it was a program that had, you know, a long history of struggle. Um, and, you know, it needed to be built from ground up again. And, uh, it was an exciting opportunity for me. And to be honest, it was trial and error. I, I really technically wasn't really up to speed. Um, I had a lot to learn just on, on teaching the game at, at that level. And, you know, being in a shot clock environment now, coming from the high school game where we had no shot clocks, I've mm-hmm. never really recruited before, and now he's in a situation where I had to recruit talent. And, you know, had a staff and you know, build a culture within within a group and also within staff. And it took some trial and error. It took us, uh, you know, two seasons to kind of figure it out. And a lot of that was me. You know, and I, I had this uh, incredible appetite to figure it out. And I spent you know, every break that we would have on exams in December, I would. You know, I remember going to Philadelphia and going to see five different schools practice in like seven days and then coming back home. So mm-hmm. it was really about this just insane kind of desire to learn and figure it out and give the best I could to to you know to my players. And then in the third year we had a we had a breakthrough and got to the national championships. Had a tremendous upset in you uh, know our final four and our league final four and. Things just started to roll from there. We found little wins around the, uh, along the way, and then we had one really big one, and and then we just started to establish kind of how we play and how who we want to recruit that fit into our program, and um, you know, and really started to kind of figure out our system and uh, put it down on paper so that it was you know actionable, and um, so it, it worked in some ways, uncannily exactly how I envisioned it. You know, I'd written a, you know, what my AD at the time had asked me to write a, a, you know, kind of a portfolio that had, you know, goals and, you know, where I saw the program going in three to five years. And I wrote it down and, and then I looked back on it after, uh, you know, I look back at it time to time. It's almost uncanny what we were able to achieve. So
0: really?
1: It's been a pretty special run. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and part of that was not just basketball. It was, you know, what I want what I thought our crowd did look like you know what kind of gear we would wear <laughs> it was it was a real vivid picture of what I wanted our program to become and uh, thankfully we've been able to make it happen with uh, some luck and a lot of hard work.
0: Well you know they say in business uh, you know um, they call it uh, you know the vision cast by the leader is so important in the success of any endeavor. Uh, in business. And so you cast a vision as a leader that you were able to execute, which is very powerful and very unusual when you're, you know, you're not in control maybe of all the things that you want. Budget, you know, you know, unlimited scholarships, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, but and going into something that you had not even been in before at that level. So that that is even more remarkable, Roy. When you talk, to, we have a worldwide audience and you know, U.S. coaches are the biggest listeners. Canadian coaches are second and Australian third. But from our, from our audience, explain to them, let's say, the difference or, you know, what makes Canadian basketball unique to, let's say, a Power Five program in the U.S. You know, so tell, talk us, tell us about, you know, for instance, at your level, how many scholarships you're allowed to have, et cetera, and things like that just, you know, to help us with familiarity.
1: Sure, you're absolutely well. You know, from a from a resource perspective, you know, we, we can't compete with the Power Five. You know, we are much more, uh, uh, you know, kind of aligned on a, a B two model, where much of you know we have partial scholarships. Much of our, our scholarship money is tied to academic achievement. Um, you know, so our students are really. We don't have anyone that's on, on a full scholarship. We have athletes that are getting some money and some support in, in other ways, whether it's, you know, jobs on campus or you know, jobs in the off-season, work studies, those types of situations will help uh, alleviate some of the financial burdens that, that our kids have. But, uh, you know, from a basketball perspective, I'd say we're, we're far more, we, we look a lot more like a game in Europe. We play a 24-second shot clock, we play FIBA rules. So it's a it's a nice hybrid of, you know, mm-hmm. North and style and you know the North American athlete, and uh, you know the FIBA games. So you know a lot of you know, what I search for and what I look to is in Europe uh, to see that you know some of the top coaches are doing there. Obviously, we look at the, the NCAA and the NBA, but uh, we are much much more closely aligned in the style of play perspective to what we would see in, in European basketball. So it's a nice blend. It's a nice hybrid. Um, you know, considering the resource challenges that we have at our level in Canadian university sport, I think we still do a tremendous job of of uh, developing high level professional talent. You know, we've, we've got a number of players now from our level that are playing at the highest level in Europe, and, uh, we're hoping to create some stories of uh, putting you know one or two of our guys in the NBA. So, wow, I think the quality is still very, very high, uh, and I think you know people who saw us play Duke in August would be able to understand, hey, these guys aren't too bad after all. It's it's not, you know, this, uh, you know, weak Canadian school. Um, And, uh, yeah, we're just striving to get better. And and I I would say this is that for for me, resources have never been an excuse to not be excellent. Yeah. Uh, We find excellence in in many, many different ways. and You can build excellence in many different ways. And for us, uh, you know, we we have uh, certain constraints, but we work with them and and, and try to do the best we can
0: Let me let me ask you this, Roy. Are you able? um, Do do you recruit any kids in the states, or do you not go there at all?
1: Uh, We we have not used the U.S. model, but throughout our league, there are a number of American players in our league. That's what I thought. players in our league. Yeah, Uh, we have a we have an international player from Dakar, Senegal, on our team. So there is an international flavor. Um, We do have a a certain number of international players we can have on our roster. But uh, no, there's there's been a history of Americans in uh, in our level and at uh, Canadian University basketball for a number of years.
0: Yeah, that's why I I remember uh, years ago there was a lot of American players, a lot of kids from New York City area when I was you know that went up to Canada and stuff. And uh, now Toronto, uh, being you know literally my favorite city, having lived there when I coached the Raptors, um, talk to me about the presence of the Raptors in that city, and frankly, uh, only a few blocks from where you guys are housed, uh, the influence that has helped over Canadian basketball, in your opinion? Uh, it's been absolutely transformational.
1: You know, uh, you know, I grew up in the game when there was no NBA basketball in Toronto, and mm-hmm. you know, we were watching, you know, a game a week, maybe, you know, and tape right. delay, and all those types of things, just to see these basketball stars. and. And now they're right in front of us. You know, they're on TV, they're they're in our communities, they're, you know, accessible to go to games. Our coaches can get to practices. You know, the Raptors have done tremendous work in the community to spread the sport. Um, And I think probably the biggest thing that they've done is, you know, um, instilled a lot of dreams into a lot of young kids. And we're seeing that in now our 13 Canadians that are in the NBA, and I think out of the 13, Know, probably eleven are from the Toronto area, so it's it's been a, they've had a tremendous impact and completely transformed the sport in
0: that country. And I think I believe it's the second most uh, of any co- country are Canadians in the NBA now, if I'm not mistaken, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And uh, and more to come. Uh, you know, with this year, you know, with R.J. Barrett, et cetera, you know, going to be a top three or four pick, you know. So uh, it's just phenomenal. The future of Canadian basketball we've seen over the last several years is just keep growing and growing. And when you were coaching, was it the under-19 team or 18 team when you coached against Cal? That was uh,
1: under-19 in Cairo, yeah. Yeah,
0: and what Cairo a place Egypt. to play in Cairo, Egypt, huh? I mean. Oh, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and, and and talk about your team that year that went against Coach Calipari and his team. Give me some of the guys that you had on your squad, just to give our listeners an idea of how good these guys were.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting story because we were actually missing a ton of guys that, you know, many of our best players, Shea Alexander is now with the Clippers, you know, O'Shea Brissett is in, in uh, you know, uh, at Syracuse, and we're probably a drafted kid this year, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that's a Virginia Tech. A lot of them didn't play and couldn't play, so we took a you know, a group that wasn't necessarily filled with all of our stars, and uh, probably the two main guys in that group, three main guys were Lindell Woodington, who's at uh, Iowa State, and could get drafted this year, Abu Kijab was at the University of Oregon, and then R.J. Barrett, obviously, and everybody knows you know, what R.J. did in that tournament, but it was an interesting um, experience because I think for the first time, because we missed out on so much of our top talent that people didn't think we were going to be very good. and We had a lot of heartbreakers in, in quarterfinals at World Championships trying to get to a Final Four. And, uh, the group just really came together and, and I think showed the power of just having a really good team and not necessarily an all-star team. And We played the right way. We played together. We were willing to share. Everybody bought into their roles. Uh, we beat a really good French team in the quarterfinal, um, and then obviously had this incredible performance against the U.S. in the in the semi, uh, beating a, a you know a strong U.S. team that missed some of their best players as well. But it was uh, it was a very very special semi final, and we had an incredible performance by Roger Barrett and just everybody just played to their potential and. and Tied
0: together as a group, it was a really cohesive win on both ends of the school You know, I think uh you know. Again, I've you know, I was coaching in Toronto in '97 with the Raptors, but you know, having coached the Pistons, you know, just four hours to the west, you know, was always in Canada. You know, in the off season, where we would play exhibition games there from '89 on, and we watched the growth of Canadian basketball. We I remember Chuck Daly saying to me one day when we were playing an exhibition game in the Sky Dome, 67,000 people there, and he says, you know, this is going to be one of the five best franchises in the NBA if they ever get a team. And and I'm like looking at him saying, you really think so? He says, the city will demand it, and the city deserves it. And, and, and Chuck was always a visionary, and he was right on the money, and right on the money. And I, I just felt that... You know, what I saw was an international city of Toronto with, you know, phenomenal, and I mean this in a complimentary way, it was a melting pot of people from all over the world. And that made your city, it was like New York City to me, you know, or Chicago or LA, in that we had folks from everywhere that contributed to the community and at the same time made sports better. Uh, how has that helped, you know, with the kids coming in from everywhere?
1: You know what I think? You know, we both have you know been blessed to travel all around the world, do the sport, and see a lot of different basketball communities, and probably more importantly, just a lot of different cultures and a lot of different communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto is certainly very, very unique and very, very special in that it uh, are maybe the most diverse city in the world. And I think uh, you know our our, our openness. Um, to, you know, different people, different cultures, different faiths, uh, has been a strength, uh, especially in team sport and basketball has probably been the greatest, uh, demonstration of that. I and mean, if you look at our national team program now, I mean, it's, it's reflective of our immigration and mm-hmm. you know, we have, you know, players from, you know, that, that, you know, parents were born in Africa and Europe and in the Caribbean, uh. You know, in Asia, I mean, we, we have, uh, it, it's a, our team is a melting pot. Our team is a reflection of Canadian society and myself as a coach as well. You know, I'm, I'm, a, you know, my parents were both, uh, you know, born and raised in India we came here through England when I was a very young child. So for me to be the national team coach coming from the background I do is a it's a pretty incredible story as well. And um, those are Canadian stories and, you know, yep. it's something that I take great pride in and I think our team takes great pride in. Uh, the fact that we are
0: reflective and representative of our our diversity. And and, and that's what makes it, it it is such a cool thing. And I think, you know, by what you did uh, with the under-19 team, I thought it also gave, from a basketball standpoint, I thought it gave the Canadian national team self-esteem because you were always on the edge but couldn't quite jump in. And now these kids saw we can beat anyone. Because when you beat the U.S., You can beat anyone, right? So, and, And Cal's one of the greatest coaches we've ever had in college basketball. So to beat a guy like that, so they have a good coach, they have good players, and they are the U.S. with unlimited funds. And all of a sudden, that does so much for your kids. And I think that's one of the things that really, really is going to take a, made an imprint that's going to help. Uh, Canadian basketball forever talk about Steve Nash coming in you know to kind of oversee things how has that been
1: I mean it's been obviously just just the name Steve Nash is enough yeah. to, uh, yeah yeah you yeah know, to move a lot of things and move a lot of people and, and get an engagement level that we haven't seen before and you know, I, I think the thing about Steve is that you know it's powerful in his mania I mean it's the, the strength of his personality and the character of who he is is is, is incredible and, and he makes an impact you know, on a larger level, because you know, if Steve Nash picks up the phone, people are gonna people are gonna pick up the phone. They're gonna answer the call. And, yep. But even more so than that, it's the small conversations that he'll have, the individual conversations that he might have with a player or a trainer or a manager. And uh, he is so um, gifted that way. You know, he's such a transformational figure that injects confidence into people in so many ways, like he did when he was a player. And, he's made a huge impact and you know, much of that is subtle because that's kind of who he is. You know, he's not a guy that loves the attention and seeks to spotlight. Um, but you know, in, in so many ways in so many conversations, even with me, with, you know, small little messages of support and mm-hmm. small little messages for our kids when we've been away on trips and, um, he finds ways to, to motivate and inspire. And I think that's been huge for our country.
0: He's one of the greats of all time. And, uh, you know, just his accomplishments, and to get someone that young involved—it's fantastic. I think, and uh, and it's really going to pay dividends down the road as it already has. But I think, I personally think Canadian basketball is just at the tipping point right now. I, as I just think they're they're what they're going to see in the future is just going to be off the charts. We got to see each other, and I got to really watch you for the first time on a worldwide scale when I used to go to the Nike hoop summit and I, and one of the real fun parts about the NBA was we used to be able to go and watch the world team practice. Uh, but we couldn't see the U S team only play in the game. Uh, but the neat thing was to go and watch, uh, your team cause you're coaching the world select team at uh, hoop summit in Portland. And I'm saying to myself, this guy can really coach. And and uh, and then all of a sudden the game would come, and you'd just kick their ass every year. And I, and I thought that was just great, you know. But tell me about that experience and your growth.
1: Again, you know, it's um, it's probably been the greatest stage for me and platform for me to coach because, you uh, know, also the most daunting because, you know, you step on the floor and practice and you have, you know, 400 people watching you. <laughs> Every NBA team, you know, Larry Bird's in the gym, and Danny Ainge in the gym, and, you know, R.C. Duke, and, you know, you, you name it. I mean, everybody that's anything in, in basketball is in the gym, and, and it's your show. And, you know, it's like being on stage and in a massive performance. And You know, how do you get over the nerves? How do you get over the insecurity? How do you get over the jitters? And just be a teacher and, and, and deliver to these kids, and many of them who don't necessarily speak English. Yeah, have to work a translator, and... Uh, so it's been an incredible growth opportunity because it's it's challenging me to overcome, you know my you know it's made me uncomfortable. You know it's made me work in a place where I've been, you know have some doubt. And, you know am I going to be able to do this? And am I doing this at a high enough level? And um, and you have to build a team in a very very short period of time. You know five days. It comes from all over the world. Many of them have played games with their pro teams, Some of them are high school kids. You know, that challenge of trying to build a team in a short prep uh, period with tons of distraction and then really have them focusing on executing on game day has uh, been an incredible opportunity for me to grow as a coach and, and then build incredible relationships along the way. You know, I've, I've watched some incredible stories with you know, guys like Bismarck Biombo, who's been completely unknown and came in my first hoop summit and mm. had a triple-double and then ended up becoming seventh in the draft.
0: Yeah, I remember that. <laughs>
1: It's it's um it's an interesting exercise in coaching, you know, from a pure coaching perspective. You know, being able to manage all of those different elements and have a plan and put it in place and deliver it over a very short period of time, eliminating distractions and then hopefully that, you know, you're in a place where your guys are confident enough to go deliver on game day and uh, I'm truly blessed. I love that option. It's one of my, my favorite things I do in the best.
0: Hey Roy, let's talk about uh, when you're playing uh, at Ryerson talk to our, our listeners about uh, your style of play, offensively and defensively. So offensively, how do you like to play?
1: You know, it, it's it's interesting because, you know, we hear a lot about you know, almost every coach says they like to play fast. Yeah, and I would say, you know, I'm a you know coach who likes to push the ball in transition. We want to we try and get a scoring opportunity as quickly as we can in the shot clock. We play at 24 o'clock. So for me, it's pretty simple. You know, we're, we're going to try and get that early attack and if it's not there, then it's all about flow. So for us, it's pace, and then it's flow, and, and kind of having a rhythm to our offense. You know, I often talk about, you know, what's our if, if we had music and we were playing music and, and our music matched our offense, you know, what would that sound like? What would the rhythm of our offense be like? And we want it to be very fluid. We want it to sound like a really nice song. And then within that, you know, there's many, you know, hopefully you're, you're whatever actions you're running uh, is going to create an advantage. And, and then what is that advantage and can we exploit that advantage? Is that advantage size? Is it speed? Is it, is it personnel mismatch? Uh, is it a point of attack on the floor? Uh, and then really that's what we're trying to do. So we're trying to, you know, attack early, flow into, uh, into our offense, and then really take advantage of whatever the the defense has kind of given up to us. And, and that's how we play on the offensive end and on the defensive end It's are very, very disciplined um, you know, we'll change defenses. You know, I think there's some value in being able to change defenses and keep people off balance. But we have a base that we use and, you know, for, for me, the three main pillars of a good defensive team are you know, guarding the transition, guarding penetration, and I think now the game has all become pick and roll. So, mm-hmm. you know, guarding ball, screens, I mean, those are the three foundations of, of our defensive philosophy and we drill it and hammer it and, you know, get on them and just kind of reinforce it and emphasize it every single day. And we just try to get as good as we can at what we do and not get too caught up in the whole scouting our opponent and making adjustments and just because I think clarity of what you do sometimes is far more important than countering what somebody else does.
0: I totally agree. Totally agree. Talk about uh, some of the rules that you have there. You mentioned about FIBA rules, 24 second clock, which I absolutely Wish our college teams would go to the advantages of a twenty four second clock since you coached that and coached it on when you coach international competition, the biggest thing for that is what in in, in showing and in teaching kids to develop. What would you say?
1: Well I think you know the first one is decision making mm-hmm. you don't have you know you can't waste time on the clock and, and you have to be able to make you know quick decisions. You have to be able to play off the catch. You have to be able to read defenses. So you know, decision making is the one that's the most critical. And then I would say second most in, in the FIBA game now in short clock games. You got to be able to shoot the basketball. And there still is a role for non-shooters in, in the game, but that role is becoming more and more defined. Mm-hmm. And in most in most offenses now at any level, if you have you know two non-shooters on the floor, that that's a real challenge. And often now we're seeing teams that have, you know, five shooters on the field. We're seeing, you know, big guys stepping out, and especially at the highest level that can shoot the three. And I think that's what's really transformed the sport in the last probably, you know, three to five years is the, the evolution of the center or the five man who can step out and shoot it. And then we're seeing that at, you know, everywhere. I mean, it's, uh, you can still play with a five man who's more of a roller, like a Clint Capella who played for in the In-the-Hoop Summit. Yep. But... You know, we're looking at guys like, you know, Al Horford, the Lopez brothers. You're looking at, you know, Valanciunas here in Toronto. Uh, the big guys that are, you know, late in their not late in their careers, but now entering the prime of their careers who are now shooting the three and shooting it pretty regularly. So. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see that impact uh, the sport here at our level in Canada. Um, we have a ton of teams that shoot a ton of threes. So I'd say that decision making aspect in the 24-second game and then
0: your baby shoot the basketball are critical. I think that's great. Uh, and, you know, the big argument on the college level here is college coaches want to control everything, and, and they feel that longer clock rules and more control. And they and they use a, a very weak um, excuse that all the teams that have the best talent will win all the games, but, you know, it's what we see every night in the NBA. The teams that have the best talent don't win every night. Teams that play best win every night, you know. and uh, And I think if the rules are the same, you're going to have to – teacher guys had to develop and stuff. And so, uh, I, I just wish they would move up to the rest of the world and kind of figure that out, you know, uh, and, and that would be better for basketball in general. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing Roy that I've seen with, uh, in your program is talk about the incredible facility that you now have at Ryerson compared to when you got there.
1: Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's night and day. I mean, we were in a you know pretty historic gym, but it was a uh, more of a high school style gym that we had in our old in our old building and um, Maple Leaf Gardens, which is one of the most iconic sports buildings in Canada. You know, home of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, actually, home of the first NBA game. Uh, Toronto nice. Huskies. In the 50s. You know, we've had the you know the Beatles, Muhammad Ali fought there. I mean, it was it was this you know mecca for sport. And uh, when the new um, you know, now it's called the Scotiabanks and it's, uh, opened up, um, you know, the Maple Leaf Gardens was dormant and it was dormant for many, many years until, you know, Ryerson University, um, bought the building and, you know, in a partnership with the government, we basically went in and gutted it, rebuilt it and it became our athletic facility. And, uh, so we're in this iconic place for sport in a state of the art facility. And it's really transformed, uh, you know, what we can do for our program, but also what we can provide for sports in Canada. You know, we had the Pan Am Games were in that building. You know, we've had so many, you know, we've had some big games against Wake Forest in there. We played Wisconsin in there. Our national teams played. We've had numerous events uh, that are really impactful. The UConn women were there last year. so Wow. we've been able to do some really interesting things um, and really kind of, provide a, a really nice four thousandth venue in the city that can you
0: know and it's right there in the middle of Toronto, which is so fabulous. It's right there, yeah. Right yeah. down there. Right there. It's three really, Do you know when I my first game I ever coached with the Raptors was in the Maple Leaf Gardens. We were splitting that in wow. the sky dome. So how about that? You know? It was Good it reason. was just it was, you know, God, it was the oldest building in the world, but man, it was like walking into the locker rooms were like so small, but you knew you were in a, you know, in a history building and it was just kind of right. and stuff. Well, my friend, I'll tell you what I, you have really done so much in basketball and you're just starting. You're just starting, man. And uh, this year is going to be incredible for you. You know, uh, you know, with your, you know, national team responsibilities as well as trying to get back to the finals of the Canadian university division, uh, you know, It's so special, and uh, it's so good of you to visit with us. And uh, you know, I love Canadian basketball. I love Canadian coaches and players. And uh, thanks for sharing with us. And uh, Roy, if guys want to get in and gals want to get in touch with you or or follow you, give us your Twitter handle that they can follow you on. Uh,
1: Roy underscore Ram. It's it's uh, pretty easy.
0: And if, and, uh, and if they uh, want to contact you through email, if they are going to come into Toronto they uh, might want to see your practice? Sure, sure.
1: Uh, Roy.Rana at Ryerson.ca My email. They're happy. You know, we, we, Our practices are always open, so coaches can come and watch anytime they want.
0: That's fabulous. And coaches, I highly recommend it because you will get a clinic by just watching this man in action. Coach, I really appreciate you sharing with us, and as always, uh, It's just great to visit with you anytime, but thanks so much for doing this, for coaching you and the coaches or our listeners around the world are just going to love this. So thank you, my friend. Thank you. Roy. Incredible. What an, what an opportunity to learn from someone who understands the, you know, the depth of coaching. And I couldn't agree more on Roy's idea about the 24 second clock. And as Jay Billis has said for years, the 24 second clock, the biggest thing of why it would help basketball in the States because we're the only ones that don't use it is that it teaches your players to make quick and good decisions. That's, that's what the game is all about. So I, we appreciate so much Roy Rana sharing with our world community on basketball because he is a member of it in a big, big way as an international coach and as also one of the top coaches in all Canadian basketball, which is the fastest growing segment of basketball in the world today, in my opinion. But listen, I want to also make sure that I remind you, for those of you who have inquired about my PhD in coaching course, this is a course that has nothing to do with basketball, but everything to do with the art of coaching, to make you a better coach. There's strategy, there's X and O, there's science and all that. This is about the people part of it how to develop team, how to grow individuals, and to make yourself better, more impactful with the team and players that you have. This is what this is all about. 13 lessons geared to you, the coach. I call it my PhD in course in coaching, not because you're going to get a doctorate in front of your name, but because the content that we have is based on 45 years of experience and research coaching the best players in the world, and working with the best coaches in the world. So at the end of this, you're going to have about three hours of videos from myself and from some experts that we have in this field to help you become a better coach. There's a downloadable workbook, but I can't emphasize enough, if you sign up in the in this month that we are promoting this, you will get nearly $800 in bonuses for a $97 course. This is one of the proudest things I've ever done in the field of coaching. Please follow us on Twitter, coaching underscore you, um, myself at Brendan Sir, uh, or coaching you live, our website, and you can get information on there. I, or obviously, we're, we're hitting hundreds of thousands of people right now with emails. Trust me. This is a must for you to take yourself to the next level of coaching. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir.